is to be in the presence of God. Worshipping the one who is worthy of all praise and all glory and all honour. And Lord, we give that to you tonight. We worship you. We glorify you. We thank you. I want to encourage us tonight into that place of thankfulness towards God. Just lift the heart of thanks to him tonight. No matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, he's worthy. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's worthy of your thanks and of your praise because mercy, his mercy woke you up this morning. His grace woke you up this morning and for that there's thanks to be given to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no matter what's going on in your life, he reigns. He rules and he reigns. And he's worthy of all our praise. And I do feel I want to go back into that song in just a moment theme so if you can go back to that place but I do feel to share tonight that there's reason for you to have faith in this moment and that's because all authority has been given Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth all authority authority over every battle authority over every sickness authority over every trial authority over every temptation all authority has been given to Jesus Christ we worship you Jesus we worship you, Jesus. And we thank you that every answer is in your name. Every breakthrough is in your name. Every heart, every broken heart is bound up in your name. Every captive is set free in your name. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. And because of his authority, you don't have to fear. There's someone here who's so crippled by fear. The Lord wants to encourage you tonight. But he's not given you that spirit of fear. He's not given you that spirit of timidity. But he's promised you and he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I saw, while we were worshipping tonight, him breaking that filter of fear. There's a filter of fear. And it's as though everything you, you look through, or everything you look at, everything you hear, everything you receive comes through that filter of fear. 
God is taking that off you and he's replacing it with a gift of faith, with a heart of faith. You no longer have to fear. You can laugh at the days to come because you're in his hands. and He's a good father. Hallelujah.
And there's a prayer that I want us all to join in tonight. Yes, we're thankful for our leaders, Pastor Ravi, Pastor Tony. But before we started worshipping, God put this scripture on my heart. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So I felt to lead us in that prayer tonight. To pray to the Lord of the harvest. To raise up workers for the mighty harvest that's to come. That's something we should continue to pray for because God is preparing the harvest is plentiful the harvest is there and he's preparing us for that harvest but he commands us to pray and to ask for workers why to proclaim the good news to heal every disease and sickness the workers to have compassion on the crowds because the people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and Lord together tonight we thank you for what you're doing in this place what you're doing through our leaders for the harvest that you've prepared We ask through the power of your Holy Spirit you prepare and you raise up leaders, workers for the mighty harvest that is before us. We thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. We give you glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. We'll just quickly um, say a quick prayer before I get started. Father, we worship you through your son Jesus. As we enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood, I declare it upon every heart here. I pray that their hearts are attentive to your word so that they may have clarity in how to walk with you and how to open their hearts to you. Lord, everything is about you. 
and we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We worship you, Jesus Christ. You are the Lord over this place, the Lord over every heart here. And I pray from today that we may grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we may be equipped for every good and perfect work that you established before the foundation of the universe. Thank you, Lord. And I worship you for everything you've done, both seen and unseen. Amen. 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 Okay, welcome all. Welcome all. How are we all doing today? Ready for tonight? Sorry, I was running a bit late. I had my daughter's graduation. Start high school next year. Thank God. Thank God. It's beautiful. They um I was supposed to be half an hour earlier, but the teacher said if every parent wants to pray over the whole congregation, every person I think quoted the whole Bible. <laughs> And they they ramped up each other. As soon as one person prays, the other one wants to take over. And that seems funny. So, who's ready for tonight? Okay. I want to share with you what, what the Lord is doing. Um, I believe this year. This year has been very different. I really believe that the Lord is painting a picture of how you can walk with Him and how you can understand the process. I really believe it's the most important thing, is understanding the process, how you need to walk and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And I want to explain to you that He's giving you a picture of how we can understand the process. And this is what I find the Holy Spirit is doing now. This has been very different, especially for me in the teaching. He's giving you the whole picture of where you start and where you need to go. It's very important that every person knows this. Because imagine working towards something you don't know where you're going as a believer. And for, for many people here, a lot of people know that salvation is through Jesus Christ. We've received this. I believe now God wants us to go further. And I've been on the heart issue for probably around six years. And the Holy Spirit will not let me go past that until he's ready to, to pour out what he wants to pour out into us. So he falls on good soil, so we be productive, and it lasts until we see him. So I believe the work of the heart, the character, the behavior, the areas of where he touches you, the sanctification of what I preached about last week, it's crucial. And I'm just allowing you to understand what the Holy Spirit's put in my heart in these messages. If you look back, everything is the process. Teaching you the process so you can see it, especially in this area of sanctification so no one gets discouraged or burnt out or frustrated or loss of hope because this is where a lot of people uh, 
give up. Or they build strongholds in their mind. I've, I've tried, but it's difficult. And a lot of people, in a way, come to a place where they don't progress anymore. And this is the area that he's focusing on now, the process. How many people know where, you, where you're going and what you're building towards as a believer? It's crucial. There's something about me from the beginning of my journey. I want to know where I'm going. And if you haven't understood uh, this, I'm telling you, you can only go so far. I know where I'm going. I know the vision God's given me because he spoke it to me. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit, every person here. But it's crucial. Hearing from the Holy Spirit, the first thing that you have to obey is the written word. Before, before the Logos word, the natural word, hands you over to something greater, the Holy Spirit, because he speaks things outside of his word. He speaks to you personally. Doesn't contradict his word. He speaks to you personally of what he has planned for you and what you need to do. See, every story in the Bible is about what they've done. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he'll teach you what you need to do. It's crucial. And I really believe that the first authority that God tests a believer, the first authority is the written word of God. You obey the written word of God, he starts to expand you and introduce you to the Holy Spirit. So if we can have a, if we can have the microphone just on call. I preached about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. He is the meaning of grace. He's our foundation. He's the author of it. But there are many stages. I think I spoke about 13 stages of the grace of God. And the good thing is they are all graces. Um, the sad thing is, is where I see the two graces at work in the Christian world, the two stages that I see Christians um, struggling with. The first one was the first one that I preached about, accountability. I asked the whole congregation here, what, does, what is the first stage of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? God rejects the proud, he gives a grace to the humble. Accountability was designed by God to protect your heart and to watch out for you. The pride will look at it as someone's trying to control me, or someone is going to take advantage of me. And whatever's happened outside this place, I'm not accountable for it. So we shouldn't speak about what's happening outside, let's speak about what's happening here. God is working in us. It's not my business to look outside. So don't bring anything that people have done outside in this place. Because I'm not liable or responsible for anyone outside this place. I'm responsible for people inside this place. So I really believe that it's unfair 
that we speak about false pastors or false leaders or people who have operated in a, in, in a, in a wrong way who represented Jesus Christ outside this place. I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for my own heart and for what I give here. And I, I believe that it's wise that we focus on what's been given here. So the first stage of God promoting you God's way is accountability to protect you and to watch out for you. Because in the area of sanctification, the area of sanctification where God is producing holiness in you, wanting to uproot, to identify the old nature, your sinful nature, your rebellious nature, I really believe is where a lot of people don't know how to navigate through that hard season. A lot of people don't know how to navigate when they stop hearing from God or when God begins to deal with the deep roots of what's been dictating them and controlling them for a long time. And it's crucial when accountability comes into it. The greatest joy you can hear when you're going through something is that I've been through that already. Because that is wisdom. Someone who's gone through it, not read about it, someone who's actually gone through and overcome it. And please, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm the same as you. I go through the same battles, the same attacks, the same struggles. But I'll tell you something. I preach from experience. The greatest danger is preaching from the written word of God where I haven't overcome or taken dominion in this place. So the greatest joy that I heard when I was getting attacked from the enemy in the beginning of my journey is that it was normal, it was common. But the, the greatest wisdom is that I didn't want to stay there. I want to grow, I want to move. So the first stage, accountability, and I really believe that it's probably the hardest thing as a leader to establish in this place. What's going to happen to me, the fear of the unknown, What's this, what is he going to say to me? Is he going to protect me? Is he going to, is he going to look at me differently when the Holy Spirit's dealing with my sinful nature? Would he look at me in a degrading way? These are all valid points that I want to speak about. I don't because I went through them myself. I'll never look down at you in a way to devalue you as a person of God. I will not. Because I know the process. I know the process of God. He deals in this way. <clears throat> so with accountability, it's important you know this. Because you must know that we are not here to expose you or to look at you differently or to devalue as a person or a son or, or, or a daughter of God. It's very important you know this. That's where trust is built. <clears throat> so accountability Satan roams lo like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour that's if you read it in context it's for those who are not accountable the enemy unfortunately can come and devour them isolation where there's no accountability there's isolation um, no one knows what's happening in his, in his or her personal life and it's not healthy. 
because that's where a lot of people, like I said, they, they depart from their walk with God. So the second stage was, everyone remember that? Sanctification. Sanctification is a form of cleansing, and we spoke about it from the Word of God. It begins in your mind, how you renew your mind, and it follows through your heart to your flesh. The third stage is today. And it's interesting how the, how the Holy Spirit allows me to navigate and how to explain it. Sanctification. What happens when the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify you? What happens? This is very important that you understand. And these are all levels of grace, but what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify you? What happens? And this is what I want to speak about today. So, anyone want to have a go? At the third stage of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we've got the microphone ready. Yeah? So, I don't think anyone... Oh, have you read my notes? So, the third stage of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, sorry, he wants the mic. So, <laughs> uh, David said unity. It's good. I remember I can't say no. <laughs> I got roasted last time. <laughs> uh, so, David said unity. So, so accountability. God sees you humble when you're accountable. Second stage, sanctification. That's your personal walk. That's not so much about your leader anymore. It's about your personal walk and how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and how you read the Word of God. Third stage. Third stage. Uh, this man here. Yeah, we need a microphone. Thank you. What was your name, sorry? George. So, George? Yeah, I know. Sanctification, it's just, it's the power of the blood of Jesus. The power of, of Jesus? The, of the blood. Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Sanctification is power and, and moving and walking from glory to glory, to glory and experience it in ourselves and towards our Lord Jesus Christ and with the brothers and in the community. Amen. Beautiful. Uh, anyone else? Um, the renewing of the mind through the Re word of God. Very close. So there is a phrase here about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a phrase that includes grace. So I'm looking for that phrase in the Bible. should have said it before I started. <laughs> so there is a phrase, what happens with sanctification? Is it a smooth journey? <laughs> what do you need? Sorry? 
Okay, he wants the microphone again. I know you're going to say no, but clarity. <laughs> Jews again, they started this side. <laughs> the armor of God. Armor of God. So there's a phrase about grace. So there's a Bible scripture that's talking about grace. So Anton got the first one, accountability. AJ got the second one, the third one. So I will give you grace. <laughs> Anyone? There is a phrase in the Bible. What do you need in regarding to the next step of sanctification? What do you need? Perseverance, amen. Sharon? Hope in God. Hope in God, amen. <laughs> there's a phrase, there's a Bible, there's a Bible scripture. There's a faith in reading the word of God. Yeah, similar. <laughs> Walking in faith. Five more. Mercy, one. Fear of the Lord. New King James Version. Obedience. Four. Kingdom, one more. I can't hear you, sorry. Purification, please. T. Does that have to do with the crushing? I will give a new uh, newcomer. I feel yeah. So the Holy Spirit work. Holy Spirit calls you for a purpose. Burning? No, you can say. What's that? Amen. You got it. Got it. Got it. She got it. She got it. The throne of grace. Amen. Got it. Nice one, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So the throne of grace. I'm going to explain to you how the Holy Spirit let me see this. We go to Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1 to 16, I'm going to break up that scripture alone, and I'm going to show you. Paul starts with the warnings, and he starts with the blessings and the promotions, and he tells you what is needed for you to continue in the work of sanctification. Can I ask you something? What happens when the Lord is sanctifying you? 
what, what do you actually go through? What do you actually go through when, when the Holy Spirit begins to yeah, exposure, discipline, testing, trials? Uh, I can't hear you, Experience, amen. What happens? What's that, sorry? Set apart from the world. Anyone else? What's that, sorry? Joy in discipline. Joy in spirit. Amen. So what happens in the area of sanctification? You see the Holy Spirit talking in the scriptures. He never talks in the scriptures. But it's the Bible keeps saying, as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says. He's trying to get a picture towards every believer here. As the Holy Spirit says, do you ever hear in the scriptures the Holy Spirit talking? When he speaks, it's very important. In the Paul's teachings in the book of Hebrews paints you a picture. As the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, he's trying to allow us to understand something. So let's have a look. <clears throat> so here he's talking about rest. That word rest, I'd like to explain it. Anyways, I'll do it at the end. So here, if you can just scroll down quickly to the end, just so I can paint a picture of how Paul teaches. Look here. Look how he ends. Look how he ends. It says, therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Now look how he deals with sanctification. He knows it's going to be difficult. When you need help, you know it's going to be difficult, right? When the Holy Spirit deals with your old nature, your rebellious nature, and what you have fed all your life before Christ, you know it's not going to be easy. Can we understand? I really believe so many believers can't stand because we've preached the easy message. They don't know how to prepare for this. And there, there, there is, there, you've got to take the whole picture. A lot of believers don't know how to stand and fight. When you're in a fight, it, it's not easy. You have to be on guard. Okay, so look here. Look here. He's given us a grace now to allow us to keep moving forward in the sanctification process. He's given, he, he knows that we need grace. And that throne of grace is not a one-off thing. It's something you come continuously to deal with what's happening inside of you. 
How many people here are struggling with this? How many people here are not knowing how to navigate when they are stuck in sin or when they are confused or when they are empty or lacking direction or where they see the Holy Spirit continuously deal with a particular sin that keeps on sprouting its head? How do you begin to actually combat this? So here, the third stage of the grace of God is how to deal with sanctification and what, what God has given that's eternal for us to go and to continuously get washed. Imagine you not going to the throne of grace to deal with the things that are inside of you. Imagine what happens to you if you're not in, in constant uh, approach to his throne to deal with those certain things. You know what comes? You know what comes? When you don't know that there is a throne to wash you and to cleanse you and to purify you, you know what happens? Your heart becomes hard. Your heart becomes hard. And I'm going to preach about the characteristics of a hard heart. Because does your heart become hard for the sake of it, just like that? No, it's a process. And I've been wanting to preach this for a long time about a hard heart. And what are the stages and the fruits that gets you there so you can be alert? Okay, so we start from the top now. So he, he says that we can find help in time of need, meaning that it's going to be challenging. But the Bible says that we are to take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We have the victory. We have the victory to know that if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than, than our hearts. He's overcome. He's given us access to overcome. Is it going to be easy? No. Can you overcome? Yes. And a lot of people, it's not about like a, a prayer or, or, a, or a scripture that you read out. It's something you've got to experience and walk it out. You have to experience it. You can only be strong when you experience it. So let's hear. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to tell you which each word means. There's probably how many warnings? It's an eye-opener. You can read from the scripture and say, you know what, these, uh, what's Paul saying about these points? What is he trying to get to? And well, if I didn't know this, what would happen to me in the beginning of my journey? There is... One, six warnings. And it's interesting. He ends with the throne of grace, that we can come to find help in time of need, but he begins with all the warnings. Don't fall into this place. Don't go to this area. I'm going to speak about him. I love it because... I can't tell you, Holy Spirit is dictating week by week how I am to understand him. Not what I need to speak to the people, what I speak to my own heart first. 
Okay, so let's have a look. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. Now this here, I'd like to break it down, each one. Now Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. The word fear, it's very powerful. The word fear here, it says let us, it says, let us fear in case any of you may seem to come short of reaching it or thinking he has come too late. Now that word in a nutshell is the lack of reverential obedience. Now look how Paul starts his teachings regarding the grace of our Lord Jesus. Meaning he lacks obedience. Reverential means godly fear with obedience. They're two components that holds grace together. Now, the, the, the fear of God is, is cover to cover in the Bible. Nearly every, every blessing of God in the Bible is birthed from the fear of God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he sums up everything. To keep his commands and to fear God. This is the duty of all mankind. Nothing's changed. God the Father heard Jesus because of his godly fear. Nothing's changed. It ends in Revelation, but look how Paul establishes, establishes the first warning of why so many people are coming short of entering the grace of God. They lack two things, godly fear yeah, and obedience to day-to-day -day walk with God, because that's obedience, is it not? To read his word is one thing and to obey it is another. So the first warning that Paul speaks about is the lack of fear of God and the lack of reverential obedience, obedience to Christ. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going. So the word fear is reverential, having a lack of reverential obedience. Now, in the same verse, Hebrews 4.1, it says, lest any of you should come short of it. Now, there is another warning here. First one, let us fear, lack of reverential obedience and godly fear. The second one is coming short of it. Now, this is a powerful word. I'd like to speak it. So the word short in the Strong's, whoever is with me, is Strong's 5302. And the word is hostidia. Hostidia. And the word means... Now, look at this here. The word means inferior. Inferior means of little and less importance regarding your walk of faith. That's how you value Jesus, of less importance or no value. Something you don't give value to, you don't give your time to. So when he says you've come, lest any of you come short of it, meaning that you, ha you haven't built that value or importance that he is God. And how do people do that? How do people do that? How does a person begin their journey with having a lesser importance or, or lesser value of, of who God is in their life when they approach him from the basis of need? 
Now, how I approach Jesus is very different than how I began. Jesus is the truth. I've established this in my heart. He is the truth. Whether the journey is easy or it's good, he is the truth. That's the basis of how I walk with him. Nothing else drives me. He is the truth. He is the truth. Full stop. Nothing drives me other than knowing this. He's worth fighting for. He's worth living for. He's worth sacrificing my life for. He is the truth. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people, they approach God in the beginning, yes. They need healing, deliverance, restoration, uh, things from God. We understand that. But that approach is very dangerous. Because after you've received that, you have no value or importance to him anymore. And that's where a lot of people, their faith shipwreck. Because the beginning of their approach was not based on truth, was based on a need. So the word inferior, that's what it means from the Greek. It means of lesser importance or lesser value regarding your walk of faith. Showing little value regarding your faith. Of little merit, meaning he doesn't carry value in your life. Next one. The word inferior means to see their walk as poor quality. It's poor quality. Isn't that amazing? How the grace of God doesn't allow you to grow. Number one, my... But that is the whole message, number one there, is the lack of godly fear and obedience. And I established, I, I believe, that's, that, is, that, is the, that is the wrong motive in the beginning. I need him to do something for me. No, you seek him as the truth, everything else naturally follows. Naturally, everything comes into, into order. From, re, from preaching this message... I understood one major thing that the Holy Spirit's interested with. You know what it is? Structure. Not a religious structure, but a structure in the Word. Meaning that He will not take shortcuts. He's interested in establishing you. You know why? So you can fulfill your will until you see Him. A person who's structured has a foundation. A person who has a foundation is not going to keep getting tossed back and forth. True? He will not. And that's why the Holy Spirit structured inside the boundaries of the Word of God. The next one, now it gets deeper. The next one, from coming short, there are three meanings here. The next one is deficient. Now this is very powerful as well. The word deficient means lacking in judgment. What did Paul say? The wise have trained themselves to discern both, both good and evil. So you can know that a person who's deficient is lacking in knowledge. Because how can you discern both good and evil if you haven't established yourself in the Word of God? Now the same word for deficient is a powerful one. I'd like to speak about it is 
the word deficient, that word comes from rust. And something, something, something that's uh, like rusted or, or the pipes are contaminated will never be able to drink the true waters that come from Christ. They will never be able to drink the true joy and the true love that's inside the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? The word deficient is lacking in judgment, and as a result, intruders come in and out. Uh, the disease of sin, the disease of everything that's in this world, comes inside of you. Rust. You're trying to bring the water in. It makes sense why you cannot taste and see the Lord is good. It makes sense. The Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. And I really believe here, lacking in judgment will allow your vessel to become rusted. Because you're not constantly in the Word of God. What washes you? Word of God. The next one is another powerful one. They're all powerful. The next one is destitute. They are the three words that so there are the three words that the word is from short, coming short of it. So you read it and you say, oh, I'm probably, it's probably a word that has no value. The Bible is powerful. And when Paul speaks, he's establishing a major foundation. So the word destitute, in a nutshell, means to be without resources, knowledge, to be weak regarding sin, to be powerless regarding your prayer life, are we listening? To be spiritually bankrupt. That's how Paul sees, or that's how Paul's establishing of coming short of the grace of our Lord Jesus. Okay, that's the first verse. That's just the first verse. Can I say something? You see how much value you have to give the Word of God? And you see you have to eat it? You see how you have to eat the Word of God? Your life will not change until you do this. Now we get into something a bit more intense. We go to, we go to uh, the verse 6. Now these are the warnings. I love how Paul starts. He doesn't start with promotions. He doesn't start with promotions. He starts with warnings. Then he speaks about how to overcome them. And then he speaks about uh, uh, your aid. Your aid. Where to go to get aid. Because every believer is going to undergo this. Every believer. And like I said before, many people don't know how to walk because they're not prepared. Because when everything's good, praise the Lord Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit starts to touch these areas, yeah, He is the God of those areas too. He is the God of these areas. And Paul said that God displayed His immense patience with him to show the whole world that He can do the same for us. Paul was a murderer. Paul done, the, Paul done what ISIS would do today. But he said that God 
God showed his uttermost mercy, his compassion and his patience with anyone who wants to follow him. Meaning you can never give up. But don't you want to be established? So Hebrews 4.6, he says, in an, in, I'll just speak it how I've written it. He says, since the promise remains to enter his rest, let us not fail to enter from unbelief that's, that comes from disobedience. So it's here. The next warning. It says, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since the promise of remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief, evidenced by disobedience. Now, how does God see unbelief operating in you? A result of living in disobedience. So the word, let's have a look at this. The word unbelief is apathia. Apathia. And it's from the Strong's 543, whoever is following. There are two words here. And, and, and such, a, such a treasure in this alone. There are two words here. Obstinate and rebellious. So how God sees unbelief is obstinate and rebellious. Now obstinate, listen to this please. This one deserves a table. So obstinate defined as stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action despite many attempts to persuade that person to do so. I wonder who's persuading you, as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, don't harden your heart. Because when you harden your heart, there's ramifications that I'm going to speak about here. Third, 17 points, biblical ones, of what happens when you harden your heart. And I'm telling you now, there is hope. That's why Jesus died. There is hope. But there's also wisdom for you not to go to that place. Okay? Okay. So obstinate means, that's the word unbelief. As stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action, despite many attempts to persuade one to do so. The next one is a very powerful one. And it made perfect sense to me why someone, how does someone operate in rebellion? Does he just do it? God showed me the root cause of it, of why a person is rebellious. And it has so much to do with our old nature. So rebellious defines as to oppose or disobey one in authority or control. Now this is the one that stuck out for me. Ready? Rebellious defines to feel or exhibit anger or revulsion, bitterness, concrete and hard. So that word bitterness blew me away because I believe that is the doorway to rebellion. Being bitter about your situation, that God hasn't come to your aid yet or God hasn't restored you yet or well, God hasn't fixed your problem yet and the way that we, re we rebel 
That's Satan attacking God. That's Satan attacking God's character. You haven't given me what I want. I'm going to attack you by rebelling against you. What is that cause? Bitterness. You're bitter towards God. That's why one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is what? Regarding bitterness. Patience. When you're patient, you can never fall into that trap of bitterness. True? It's true, yeah? So regarding sanctification, what is the major component of the fruit of the Holy Spirit regarding sanctification? That you don't harden your heart because of bitterness. And how do you do that? How do you do that? Patience. Waiting on the Lord. And I really believe waiting on the Lord holds a, a deeper value. It means to wait with God. Wait in the Word. Wait as you're getting cleansed. As you're obeying Him. As you're walking with Him. And the breakthrough comes. I can't tell you I had a thousand problems. And my journey did not, did not change. Someone said to me, uh, someone said to me many weeks ago, what happens to you when you stop hearing from God? And it's a good question, isn't it? But do, do I always hear from God? What happens? Do I go through seasons where I don't hear from God? Certainly. What happens when I don't hear from God? I lift the, I lift the stage of fasting and prayer. I lift my secret time with God even more. And I, I can tell you something. That is, that is the hardest place of unbelief that gets crushed. Because I'm not letting unbelief uh, build its foundation in me. I'm not letting rebellion uh, take its stand against me where, where I begin to harden my heart, impatient, complain, all these things. You, you get it? I'm not letting it establish its foundation. Because while I wait on God and it hasn't come yet, I begin to complain, murmur, question. I'm just sharing with you how I combated that deep root of unbelief. So I really believe the greatest meaning of rebellion is bitterness. And one is bitter because of their situation. You're waiting for healing. You're waiting for God to bring breakthrough to your life. You're waiting for, for God to come to you. And I really believe Satan is extra, extra working in this season to cause you to complain and to murmur about your situation. Because remember in the wilderness, Satan's there also, yeah? He's there wanting to do one thing, wanting you to curse God. How do you curse God? By bitterness, rebelling against him. Fine, you didn't give me what I want, I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to sin and walk the way I want. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. Look how God sees rebellion. And for someone to operate in rebellion, remember, he's bitter about the situation. And isn't it interesting that how our flesh naturally responds when we have problems and we don't get our way? Isn't that interesting? And I really believe it's so subtle. 
because a person who's bitter about the situation, I pray, I do what I want, but they're really living their own life. So we go to First Samuel. Look at this here. Look, it says here, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That word there is to have a spell on you, meaning you're blind. So if I can say it like this, I'm safe to say it, that bitterness leads to rebellion. That bitterness not taken to the throne of God and being dealt at the mercy seat of the blood will turn into what? Bitterness. You become bitter with yourself, bitter with, the, with your family, bitter with God, and everything around you is destroyed. Isn't that interesting? But bitterness, what is the ultimate thing of rebellion? It rejects what? Word. Isn't that interesting that I preached about accountability? Isn't that interesting that I preached about accountability? And isn't it true about the greatest way you can be accountable to God? And let's speak truth. Forget about leadership and all this stuff. The greatest way you can be accountable to God is in the midst of your emotions all over the place, in the midst of your situation not being right, you hold on to the word of truth. The Holy Spirit never goes against the authority of his word. What does witchcraft do in the seat of bitterness? In the seat of rebellion, I feel no longer it's what God says. I feel you hurt me, you let me down, you took advantage of me. I can never see you the same. What does the word of God say? The authority of the word is different. What does witchcraft, what witchcraft really, uh, how can I say it? What's witchcraft really attracted to? Soulish realm. Soulish. What's, what, what is the true meaning of soulish? Selfish. I deserve more. Me. And the soulish realm is connected to the emotional realm. And God did create emotions. Yes, we go through every season. But emotions in the realm of rebellion is outside of God's word. It, operates from its feelings. So, so the authority of the Holy Spirit is the word of God first. When you're in a situation of any kind, it's what God says. It's what God says. Satan came to Jesus, the same thing. It is written. It is written. It is written. He never took it upon himself of what he actually... He actually feeling in his, in his fleshly nature. It is written. Okay. Next one. Now these are all warnings, yeah? Sorry I have to go this path, but I think it's wise. I don't think I've ever preached any other way. Hebrews 4.7. Again, he's going again. Just look today, 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 today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Be careful, be careful. You know why? Because in the area of sanctification, you're all over the shop. 
if I can say it like this. You're all over the place. <laughs> okay, Hebrews 4, 7. He again sets a definite day and you today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You see when you read things slowly, give the word of God value. Give it time to actually cultivate your heart. Now the word, harden, whoever is following me, the Strong's 4645. The word is sclerano, sclerano. I'm getting good at this. Sclerano. I think it is. I don't have my, um, oh, I have one of the right ones. Uh, microphone, please. <laughs> <laughs> microphone. <laughs> so I said Sclaydano. Let's see what he has to say. Sclido. <laughs> Oh, close, close. All right. That word harden means to dry, to be dry. The next warning defines to be dry, feeling no emotion or sympathy for others. Now, isn't it interesting in the area of sanctification, you just want to get out of your troubles and get out of your battles and 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 it's true that when you harden your hearts or the word hard means to dr to be dry feeling no emotion or sympathy for others uh, the next meaning is to be oppressive to be cruel to be severe to be rough isn't it interesting when god begins to deal with you in this way and you see god as a hard God, naturally, you inherit that and give it to yourself. It becomes part of your character, your personality, and everything in you is destroyed. Now, isn't it interesting that he deals with your, he deals with every aspect out of these warnings, every aspect, the lack of knowledge. He deals with every part of your life. Look at this here. This is a big one, because not going to the throne, not going to the throne. For you to be accountable to the Holy Spirit, for you to actually get washed when you're going through these seasons in your journey, will allow you to be a harsh, oppressive, cruel, severe, rough, unpleasant, grievous, brutal, ungentle, and rude. Now I put my hand up here. I've went through these things myself. And I have, but I know where to go get washed and where to be accountable to the Lord for my own heart. But I'm telling you here, leaving this unchecked or letting this go without uh, deep reflection, you fall into danger. 
And I really, I really believe fellowship can be formed around this area. Why people cannot fellowship, it's based around this here, because they're too hard. And isn't it interesting that fellowship... <laughs> oh, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I'll leave that for another day. So, I'd like to read some characteristics of a hardened heart. Now, they're all biblical, but I, I haven't written them, but I'd like to just read them quickly, okay? But they're all biblical stories, scriptures that I've referenced from this, okay? Ready? And you can take notes, you can take a photo of these notes, if you like. Okay, characteristics of a hardened heart. I really want to I really want to establish this and I'll probably finish off. I don't feel like I need to continue. Characteristics of a hardened heart. A hardened heart will not obey God. A hardened heart, this is a very big one and a very common one that I've seen so much. A hardened heart does not change after some relief in tough circumstances. So after it has received relief, it still does not change. A hardened heart does not recognize the blessings of God's goodness. Now this is mostly from the story of Pharaoh and the people of God. This is where I reference these uh, stories from. A hardened heart might want something from God, but will not hear from Him. A hardened heart expects the Word of God to fail and does not recognize its faithfulness. It's a big one. A hardened heart remains hardened even under severe pain. So I'll, I'll give you a little treasure here. You know, you hear the scripture about sickness can be endured, but a broken spirit no one can bear. He's talking about a hardened heart. He's talking about a heart that's become hard. So what do you mean no one can bear a broken spirit? He's talking about a heart that's become hard. It cannot be repaired. If it, it's not brought to Jesus with deep reflection and deep repentance, it cannot be restored. Okay, a hardened heart might say the right things with no true self-reflection. A hardened heart blames the messenger instead of recognizing its own condition. A hardened heart will be broken beyond healing. A hardened heart produces arrogance and pride. A hardened heart is easily offended, resentful, lacking the ability to forgive. A hardened heart produces unbelief which departs from the living God. A hardened heart is a result of rebellion and lack of self-control towards sin. Where you become, how can I say it? 
keep coming to me, just I'll keep going. A hardened heart lacks the ability to perceive, remember or grasp what God has done in his life. Isn't it interesting that they always complain in the wilderness? They forgot about all the goodness of God. What does God say? What does God say? He says, go get a piece of bread. Remember that bread that it rained? And put it in a jar every time you wake up. Remember the goodness of God. And that's a picture of remembering God's word. That he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. For him to say, get that bread and put it in a glass jar, it's remembering of God's provision upon that person's life. And isn't it interesting that when you have a hardened heart, you forget about everything God has done in your life. Isn't that interesting? That when your heart is hard, you forget about everything good that God has done, you remember only your pain. And the enemy comes with full attacks to destroy your character inside your heart. I keep going. Hardness of heart is, pro is produced when we suffer setbacks and disappointment. Another very big one in our Christian walk. Hardness of heart is produced when we suffer setbacks and disappointments. Very, very, very big one. Probably the biggest one out of all of them is that one. Probably another big one also. They're all big. <laughs> Lack of gratitude produces the hardness of heart. I've learned in my prayer life that gratitude is part of me now. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's the weed eater. You know how you go to Bunnings and get a weed eater? That's the weed eater. Gratitude. No weed can grow or sprout its head inside of your heart. That is the weed eater. Hardness of heart will fail to follow God's commands and fail to hear the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll close off with this. I'll give you a little glimpse of where I'm going with this. We'll go here. Now, the mystery of this message is what I'm going to share with you today and what the Holy Spirit shared with me today is that a lot, of people want, a lot of people make one big mistake when they go to the throne of grace and they don't see the true results. Can I share it with you? And I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm going to stop because I need another half an hour. Easy. They make one big mistake, is they go to the throne of grace without the word of God because the authority of the word is what cleanses you. A lot of people go to the throne of grace 
in a state of the flesh and they don't see the true work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say? The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are the spirit, they are the life. A lot of people want make one big mistake and the Holy Spirit shared with, shared me, with me this message a long time ago that if you want to be an active believer and you want to see things move, you have to go to the throne of grace with the word of God because that's what activates the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, they, they, are, they, are, they are going to the throne of grace. They're making one big mistake. They're not going with the word or the authority of the word. The words I speak to you is what's already made you clean. And what does Paul say? I believed and therefore I spoke. So the Holy Spirit is waiting for the authority of the word. And that's eternal. It can't be changed. And that's why so many people don't see the true power of God manifesting regarding their circumstance or the situation that they're in. The throne of grace with the word of God. They are together what completes you from overpowering everything. Remember in Revelation what I said? His robe was dipped in the blood and his name is? Where does the throne get where does the robe get dipped in the blood? Throne of grace. Look at it in this way. Where is the where is the robe being dipped in the blood? It's the throne of grace. And his name is what? The word. So when you go to the throne of grace by the blood, what has to be with it? Word of God. That is the mystery that the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. That is the mystery that will change your life forever. And that will prompt you to operate powerfully where nothing sets its foundation that the enemy tries to put inside of you. Amen? So bless you all and let's pray. I share the treasure with you because Satan responds to the word of God. In the area of sanctification where Satan is bringing sin against you, he's trying to block the process of sanctification. But Satan responded what? To the authority of the word of God. If you look at it in the, in the rightful text, Satan really responded to the authority of the word of God that is eternal. He cannot, he cannot work beyond the authority of the Word of God. And I'll share and continue my message later, but I'm just sharing with you the authority of the Word of God with the throne of grace, with His blood. It is what completes you and it, what, it what shifts everything from your life for you to move. It's true.
And the Holy Spirit told me many months ago why the Christian is not being complete because he's not coming with the word. Very powerful. So we will pray. We thank you, Jesus. For the words you speak to us are the spirit and the life. The flesh profits nothing. I thank you, Lord, that the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. You want your word to dwell in our hearts. And I thank you for the living word that the Holy Spirit follows. I worship you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. You were everything to us. I give you all the glory, Lord. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your word. I thank you for allowing us to see this because it's all from you. Lord, I pray that you help us. You strengthen us so we can know you more and be the complete expression of your son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping us see the bigger picture of the process and the will of the Father and also showing us all the warnings that will allow us to be protected and allow us to walk with you in truth. I worship you, Lord. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I declare your throne of grace in this room and the sprinkling of the blood on everyone in this room. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here, reminding us of everything that Jesus said, that the heaven and earth pass away, your words will not. Thank you, Lord. Pray for the grace of sanctification to be manifested upon every heart. And I pray for every, any person here discouraged, hopeless, hurt, blocked, confused to be restored at your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. And we honor you in this place, in our hearts, and everything we do. We love you so much. Worship you. Worship you. Worship you. Worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's not by mind. It's not by strength, but by his spirit. Jesus Christ is the Lord over addictions. I see people here in the area of addictions. And Jesus wants to break that shackle of addiction. Because when he went to the cross... He broke every shackle, every shackle of addiction. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command it to be dismantled. Now, now be dismantled in Jesus' name. Every spirit that is behind the work of addiction, I break your power. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Receive it. Any person here that is suffering from this, there's many. 
Break it in Jesus' name. Receive it. Lift your hands. Whoever is fighting this area, lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're setting them free. The Spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Chains are falling now. Holy Spirit's coming now. Breaking those addictions. It's not how hard you stand. It's not how hard you pray. It's who you stand in. It's who you stand in. Because he's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son that he loves. You're transferred. Declare this scripture. You see how you enter the throne? You declare this scripture that you're transferred. You're seated with him, with him. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for your grace to fall on everyone here. Thank you for everything you've done, Lord. Amen.